Well, good morning, Storehouse McKellen. I hope that you are doing well, and I hope that you are experiencing the grace of God for you this morning as you're surrounded by friends and family. As you can tell, I am not preaching this morning, and so what I wanted to do is just take a couple of seconds to, number one, give you some announcements, and then number two, introduce you to our guest preacher this morning. For your announcements this morning, I have three things to cover very, very quickly. Coming up, number one is discipleship groups. Discipleship groups are an extension of our MCs. These are smaller gatherings of two to three people and are perfect for the season that we find ourselves in. Discipleship groups meet regularly in an effort to study the Bible together, confess sin to one another, and pray for one another. In addition to discipleship groups, when you visit our website, uh, we have discipleship guides available for you and your family to walk through as we are in this series on 2 Timothy. So be sure to visit our website, storehousemckellen.com, and download the discipleship guide so that you can follow along with the sermon series. Coming up next for announcement number two is our tentative opening. So we are looking forward. We are praying. My staff team and I are going back and forth on the best means possible so that we can gather to worship again on Sunday mornings. And we are shooting for August 23rd. We're going to give you all of the information as that date approaches. Right now we're about four weeks out. And so we're going to continue to discuss, pray, and give you all sorts of communication as that date approaches. For now, what you need to know is that August 23rd is our tentative reopening date for the Sunday morning gathering. And for your final announcement, as a reminder, at the end of the sermon, one of the things that you're going to hear is the preacher close our time out. Let me just remind you uh, that one of the ways in which we respond to God's word is through giving. And so if you have not been giving, let me encourage you to do so by setting up an account on storehousemckellen.com. Uh, I also just want to remind you that giving is an act of worship that actually does not begin with our wallets. It begins with the gospel as an act of grace. And so if you have been giving sacrificially, generously, and regularly, thank you so much for your generosity. If you are joining us this morning and you are new, we don't want your money. We're just super glad that you're here with us. All right, Storehouse McAllen, those are all your announcements for this morning. At this time, let me introduce you to Pastor Al Johnson. Al is the lead pastor at the Well Community Church in San Antonio. We are big fans of the Well. Uh, we love the people at the Well. We love Al. I love Al and his family. They have been a blessing to me and my family. Many of you remember Al from preaching here in McAllen last year when we walked through the Apostles' Creed. This man loves Jesus, he loves God's Word, and he loves preaching God's Word. And so I hope you are blessed this morning by Pastor Al Johnson. Well, good morning, Storehouse Community Church. My name is Al. I'm the lead pastor at The Well down here in San Antonio. It's a privilege to, to serve your church this morning through the preaching of God's Word. I was really excited uh, at the opportunity to do so. Pastor Marco is a dear friend of mine, and so it's a great honor and privilege to be preaching uh, for you guys this morning. Uh, you're studying 2 Timothy, and so we're going to go ahead and jump right on in. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 13 this morning. And I want to encourage you this morning as, as disciples and disciple makers, 
Uh, discipleship takes grit. It takes tenacity. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to teach them to observe all that he has commanded. And we have the promise that when we do that, Jesus is with us. He's given us his spirit always, even to the end of the earth. And so I want to encourage us to that end, the great commission, the mission Jesus has given us to be disciples and be about disciple making. And I want to point out three things about the great commission that I think are important about disciple making. Oftentimes disciples, as disciples of Jesus, we think disciples is being a disciple is just simply teaching others. But there's three components I want us to see about disciple making. It's in about discipleship here in the great commission. First, we've got to make disciples. That means there's those who don't know Jesus, we have to introduce to Jesus. And what we call that is evangelism. We got to go tell them good news about our good, glorious God and King Jesus and how he's died in our place for our sins. And if they know it, if they trust Jesus, they can be saved and redeemed. And, and upon salvation, then we enter into to teaching. We've got to learn. We got to know. We got to teach and grow in maturity and Christ likeness. So that's the second component. Evangelism, number one teaching number two, and three, obedience. We, we need to be trained to obey all that Christ has commanded. And so as, as you, some of you are joining us and you don't know Jesus yet, and I hope that you would meet Jesus, you would know him, and that uh, you would fall in love with him and, and follow him on his mission. But so for you, today might be, uh, I'll be doing some evangelism, if you will. I want you to know Jesus. I really, really do. And, and your church, in uh, Storehouse Community Church, longs for you to know and love and trust Jesus and for those of you who know and love Jesus, I pray that today would be an equipping and encouraging through the teaching and preaching of God's word. And then lastly, I hope that we'd all obey Jesus and follow him even, even to the ends of the earth, no matter what he says that we would do and that we would trust that he is with us always. So let's go ahead. And in light of that, my hope and prayer, my big goal today is to strengthen you as, as a disciple and a disciple maker. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You then, my child, this is the Apostle Paul preaching or teaching here and writing to Timothy, his, uh, his child in the faith. Paul is in prison, and just like he, we are not able to meet in person right now, and your church is not able to meet in person right now, and the well is not able to meet in person right now, the Apostle Paul is not able to meet Timothy, his, his child, his disciple in the faith. He's not able to meet him, so he's writing him a letter. And so I pray that this video would serve you, church, as a, as, as not as a letter, but a new way of, of communication to you. I want to encourage you like the Apostle Paul is his child in the faith, Timothy. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I want you too, church, to be strengthened that is in the, great, that in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Storehouse, Jesus loves you and he wants to use you mightily for, your names, for his name's sake in McAllen, Texas. And, and the only way he can do that and the only way he will do that is through his power made manifest in your life and through your ministry and all your life is, is in ministry and discipleship. And Jesus wants to strengthen you this morning. In verse two, he says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men. Discipleship is not just knowing things, but it's teaching and training others to do the same. And so there's some things we have to know, but it's not just knowledge, but we have to, we have to teach others the same things we know. And we have to, and that often comes not just through um, telling of stories, but living lives together in the context of community. The apostle Paul and, and Timothy were, were, were ministry partners. They were together 
together in the faith. They, they did ministry together and alongside one another. And he's, he, he's left Timothy to be a preacher and to lead a church planting movement. And, and he's, he's speaking to him now to encourage him to, to keep doing that. Just like I taught you, Timothy, keep teaching other faithful men and women. And so I want us to see here that the Apostle Paul has this great father-like affection for Timothy. And I want you to see that's really what discipleship is. Discipleship is, is, is a type of fathering or a type of mothering. It's a type of spiritual fathering or a spiritual mothering. It's a teaching and a training. So Paul to Timothy sees him like his son and Timothy sees Paul like his father and some of you that that's hard to understand because your your earthly parents you, you don't admire him you don't look up to him but I want you to know when you came into the family of faith when you trusted Jesus Jesus gave you a spiritual family those to look up to those to follow those to teach you the ways of Jesus because ultimately Jesus is our big brother and he we have a heavenly father in heaven who who loves us unconditionally and our ministry flows out of God the Father's love for us as his children. And so I want you to see here that discipleship is a type of, of spiritual fathering. And so if you're gonna be strengthened to be a disciple and be a disciple maker, you need to understand that first and foremost, the way of a disciple maker is that of a spiritual father, a spiritual mother. And I want you to know Timothy's young. And Timothy's young and Paul's telling Timothy to disciple other men and women, to train others up. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. That if you know and trust Jesus, he's called you to teach and train others to grow in the faith. So I want to encourage you to be strengthened this morning. In verse 2, uh, we see that this, that this, this overflow to teaching and training others that we, we are to go after the, faith, the faithful men and women. So if you see someone who is, who is uh, faithful in Christ, help them, spur them on to be about disciple makers. And those who are far off that aren't faithful, I ask that you would just go after them, go recruit them, help them uh, see that Jesus is enough. He is awesome. He is glorious and he is good. And that they would see Christ's faithfulness for them and that in, do, in, in doing so that maybe they would indeed be faithful unto him and, about, and among uh, the, the mission that Jesus called all Christians to. I want you to see that it's easy for a disciple maker to give a disciple information. But Jesus doesn't want us to just know information. He wants us to experience transformation. And so that is the goal of, this, of a disciple maker is that not only would you teach others what Jesus has taught you and revealed to you and what he says in, in the scripture, but that, that, that knowledge would not just be head knowledge, but it would be transformative heart knowledge. And so today, in order to encourage you as a disciple maker, I want to, us to, to look at three pictures that Paul has for Timothy and to, and as an encouragement to him to be about disciple making in the context of the local church. And, and, the, and I want them to be an encouragement to us as disciple makers in the context that we find ourselves in. These three pictures, I hope, that will strengthen you. And they're the picture of a soldier. It's a picture of an athlete. And it's a picture of a farmer. And so in the, no, verse 3, I want you to see that we are called in disciple making to fight like a soldier. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Your aim is to please Jesus and not man. You are a soldier of King Jesus. 
He is the one who's enlisted you. If you know him and you've trusted him and he's get, when he gave you his great commission in, in Matthew 28, that is him commissioning you as a soldier to fight in his strength, in his might, for his mission, for his glory, for the good of others, for the flourishing of mankind. But I want you to know it is indeed a fight. Disciple making is not easy. Satan is real, demons are real, and they want to disrupt, distort, discourage, and, and and dismiss you in the public so that more people will not be saved by Jesus, more people will, will not hear about the good news of Jesus. And so I, I really want you to see that in disciple making, if you're gonna be strengthened in the by, like Christ and in Christ's likeness as a disciple maker, we need to understand that we gotta fight like soldiers. To share in suffering like a good soldier. Suffering is normative to the human experience. It's, it's normative especially for Christians. So when you face suffering, Paul, or Peter tells the church, don't consider it strange when you suffer. But suffer like a soldier. Don't suffer like a coward. Lean in to Jesus. He wants to use you mightily. And Satan wants to disrupt and distort and harm you mightily. But take heart. Jesus is in you. He's overcome the world. He said if you're about his great commission, he will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Paul says here to Timothy that a soldier doesn't uh, get caught up in civilian pursuits because his aim is not to please people, but his aim is to please Jesus, his master, the one who's enlisted him. And we need to understand this. That, that it is Jesus, his word, his will, and his ways that you submit to. It's Jesus who you are loyal to. It's Jesus who you pledge allegiance to. It's not our country. It's not our state. It's nothing other than Jesus. He is the, mo- the utmost authority in our life. And so if we pledge allegiance to anyone above Jesus, we've missed it as disciple makers. We, in doing so, we, 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 we make it plain to others that we are disciples not of Jesus but of something else. Whoever you place allegiance to wholeheartedly is who you are bound to and it's who you are a disciple to. And I want to encourage you, you're a disciple of Jesus. You're a soldier of Jesus. So fight like a soldier. I want you to know that when Jesus picked his 12 disciples, he was picking 12 soldiers. And there were 11 of them who endured to the end and there was one named Judas who didn't endure to the end and he betrayed Jesus. He, he stopped fighting. He gave up. And I don't want that for you. And so suffer well. Be tr- be suffer well like a good soldier. Jesus has enlisted you for his service. I want you to know this is not a, a call to take up arms and fight in the physical realm, but to war in the spiritual realm. realm. There is a divine call on your life to herald the good news of Jesus Christ, to help others see and meet Jesus. And I want you to know that we war not in the the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. Satan and demons want to distort this message, cancel the message of the gospel. And and Satan uses people, so our enemy is not humans. It is not other people. Those who don't know and love Jesus are not your enemy. Satan and demons are your enemy. Those who don't know and trust Jesus are bound and they're captives. Satan is their Lord. Demons are their Lord. They don't know it. They're captives. 
And so as good soldiers, we're waging in this warfare to set captives free like Jesus did to us, to herald this news, to tell the world that Jesus has made a way. Jesus has offered forgiveness. Jesus has made for a way for sinners, enemies to become God's friends. And so as a disciple maker, you got to know this, that you stand on the front lines. You stand toe-to-toe, face-to-face with eternity on the hearts of men. And you're pleading with them to know Jesus, to make him known. And you need to understand this, that there is sacrifice. And you will, as a disciple maker, give yourself to those who, who, you, who God has entrusted to you to serve. And it will be like a war. And I just want you to know, discipleship is not just for uh, those who are uh, paid vocational ministers, those who are on church staff. Discipleship is a ministry assignment, is a divine assignment from God himself. And so when we make disciples, we should expect warfare. We should expect criticism. We should expect suffering because we are waging in the physical realm uh, a war that takes place in the spiritual realm, a war against the kingdom of darkness. And we are now a part of the kingdom of light, shining on the darkness, making truth, uh, declaring truth about who God is and how he loves us and how he sent his son to save us. And this work... That, that you're endeavoring in as a disciple maker is for the, the growing and the flourishing of King Jesus' kingdom. And it's a fight. You'll, you'll defend the truth. You'll defend doctrine. You will defend what is true and what, what God has called you to through his word. And so be strong. Endure well. Share in the sufferings like a good soldier. Don't avoid them. Keep enduring. And if you want to, and can, if you want to uh, additionally to be strengthened as a disciple maker, to think and fight like a soldier, we also need to, we also need to uh, second point, to be trained like an athlete. So we need to fight like a soldier. The second picture is an athlete. So we need to, fight, we need to be trained like an athlete. So we fight like a soldier. We're trained like an athlete. Verse five, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I don't know about you, but I've missed sports during this quarantine season. It's been a hard time because sports, up until recently, haven't been on the TV. I know UFC was the first to come back, and I was happy about that. But still, I love sports. I love watching them, and I love seeing the greatest athletes compete at the top level. But I want you to see this. What we can learn from this text is that to be the top athlete, to be the best in the world, you have to train. In order to be a successful athlete, you have to train. Athletes are disciplined. And, they, and they're disciplined and they're trained according to the rules of the sport they play, or rules according to the game in which they play. There are rules. And I want you to see that the root of discipleship is literally the word discipline. As disciples, we must be disciplined. We must be trained. Paul also tells Peter later that, or, or, or Paul also tells Timothy later that we are, he's to be trained in the words of the faith. To be trained athlete is to be a disciple. You must be trained. And I want you to think of an, uh, any athlete or that, that you know of that, that's competing at the top of their game or, or maybe a musician. 
In order to get to the top, they had to be disciplined. And I want you to know that what allows them to endure those times of, of discipline and training is, that, is the, the reward, what they're longing for. If you want to be a champion, you're going to put in the work of a champion. So while an athlete is training and competing or a musician is training and learning their craft, they're doing so with, the mo- with a continual reminder of, of what's to come. What is the goal? What are they aiming for? And so you will give up uh, as a disciple when training gets hard if you don't remember what you are training for. We are training for the purpose of godliness. We are training in, in laboring to look more like Jesus. And I want you to know when you look at any athlete, any athlete that you know or any musician, like I said, that's playing the guitar at, at the highest of high levels, they make it look easy, right? They make it look so easy. But the reason why it looks so easy and the reason why they enjoy it so much is because they've been trained. They've been disciplined. And so I want you to imagine yourself uh, now, uh, 60 years from now, or 60 years of age. Imagine if you put in the work day in, day, day out, the night and, in, and night of train, being trained as a disciple, to, to pursue godliness as a disciple. When you're older, it'll look easy. You'll enjoy it more. You'll enjoy Christ more. And those who, who, who come behind you will look up to you and say, man, it looks like he makes prayer look easy. He makes discipline look easy. He makes Bible study look easy. And you'll remember that, no, early on it wasn't easy. It was hard. You needed to, be, you needed to train. And it's not easy. It won't be easy then, but, but it will look easy in a way because you've been trained according to the words of faith. You've been trained according to sound doctrine. You've been trained according to Jesus' ways as a disciple. So train like an athlete. Work hard. If you, if you want to be godly, it's going to take discipline. And I want you to know that's not legalism. Legalism is wanting to be disciplined in order to earn God's love and God's favor. Godliness is being disciplined because you have God's love and God's favor, and therefore you enjoy the gifts of God, the fruit of of what it means to be a disciple. Let's be honest, right? Let's be honest. We're all a little rebellious. We don't want to be disciplined. We want to be rebellious. And so as disciples, we, we have to resist the desire to rebel, but to submit. Because remember, we're, our aim is to please the one who enlisted us. We're good soldiers, fighting like good soldiers. Therefore, we're training according to God's rules and God's ways. And so some of you wrongly think that rules means uh, like legalism, like I said. And I want you to remember that in, in the people of God, the Hebrew people of God, uh, when they were rescued out of Egyptian slavery, they were in slavery in Egypt, and God rescued them out of slavery and brought them through the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea, brought them into the wilderness. And once they were free to worship God in the wilderness, then God gave them the Ten Commandments. Far too often we see the rules of God as as means to earn God's love and favor. But that's not how the Bible reads. The Bible reads that when God gives his first rules, the Ten Commandments and the law, he gives them to his people after he rescues them. Not to earn his love and favor, but because they have his love and favor. So as an athlete, you're competing according to the rules because the rules have been given to you by a loving, good, gracious, and glorious God who gives us his divine, not only assignment, but divine structure in order to to cause flourishing and nourishment to our lives. But our hearts want to rebel. 
We don't like rules. We don't like God's will. We don't like God's ways. But I want to encourage you as a disciple and a disciple maker that if we're to be strengthened, to think like an athlete, to labor, to train like an athlete, and it will be for your good and for your flourishing because in God's kingdom, his rules, his reign, his boundaries, and his, his law, his word is for your flourishing, for your good, to protect you, to keep you. You're his son and daughter. I know my kids, I give them rules to protect them. If you know and love Jesus, you're a child of God, and he's given you his rules to compete according to the use the vernacular of this text because he loves you, and he wants flourishing and protection for you. Number three, work hard like a farmer. This is the third picture that we see that, that Paul said that is, is encouraging Timothy to work and labor hard like a farmer. He says in verse six, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. He says in verse seven, think over what I say for the Lord will grant you understanding in everything. So as we think over, over what God is, is revealing to us in this text, we have to see here that the last picture here that Paul is using to encourage Timothy is that of a hardworking farmer. I don't know about, I've never been a farmer, but I know farmers and those who have labored in that, but that work is hard. It is tireless. It's never ending. There's always something to do. And so I want us to, to be encouraged here as, as you endeavor as, as a disciple and a disciple maker that the work that you're doing is kind of like farming. It's hard work. It's never over. And you got to work tirelessly. In John 15, Jesus tells his disciples that, he, that, he, that it's God the Father's desire that they would be fruitful, that would bear much fruit. And I want you to know that the, 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 the farmer desires that his crops be fruitful. He's laboring on the farm, not just to call himself a farmer, but so that his, that his prod, or, uh, produce would produce, that his, his farm would produce fruit. His crops would bear good and glorious, awesome fruit to enjoy and feast upon. And so it's God's desire for you as his disciple to, to be a fruitful disciple and to be fruitful in disciple making. It's, it's God's will for you to do that. We see that in John 15. And so in order to be fruitful, sometimes you have to prune things. You have to uproot things. You have to care and tend like a farmer would a farm and like a farmer would his crops. You've got to uproot lies of unbelief. You've got to be washed and nourished by the words of the scripture. You have to be pruned in fighting sin. And so the big idea here is that if you, uh, if, if you don't pay attention to your life like a farmer would his farm, that, that the, the, the weeds are going to overgrow, the crops are not going to be fruitful, we've got to labor in the act of disciple making with the attitude of, of grit and hard work and tenacity of a farmer. And I want you to know, just like the athlete competes in order to get the crown, the farmer works and labors tirelessly in order to enjoy the crops when, they're, when, they, when it's, season, it's, in, it's their season. Be encouraged. Farmers labor hard so that they can enjoy the crops. That's what he says, that it's the, it's the farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And I want you to know the crops, that, 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 that the fruit that God wants to bear in your life is not just for your enjoyment, but for others to enjoy too, that they would taste and see God's goodness and glory through you. I don't know about you, but I've never seen someone who, who who's, loves Jesus and, and is fruitful in their life that other people don't like. We love being around fruitful, godly men and women. It's if they're the opposite, we don't enjoy it. 
But if you're a good, godly, strong, fruitful disciple of Jesus, you will cause flourishing for others because the fruitfulness for your life will overflow into theirs and they will taste and enjoy the goodness of God working in and through you as you are a blessing to others. So growing in godliness as a disciple must produce fruit. Not just for you, but for others to enjoy. Husbands for your wives to enjoy. Wives for your husbands to enjoy. For parents for your kids to enjoy. If you're single, for your church to enjoy. Kids, your, your, for your parents and your family to enjoy. For your church, your city. Your city needs your fruitfulness and your faithfulness. So be about discipleship. Work tirelessly at it like the, with the work ethic of a farmer. And I want us to see as we continue in verse 8 that, that the, this mess, there's a message that disciples must herald and must teach. In verse 8, remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, has preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. The disciples have a message, and this message is the gospel. And he, he's, Paul's encouraging Timothy to remember Christ Jesus and remember that he's not dead, but he's alive. Jesus is alive. I want us to remember that. Yes, he died in our place for our sins, but he's no longer in the grave. He is alive. This is good news, and it must be preached. It must be proclaimed. It must be told. In Romans 1, we see that this, is the, this gospel has the power to save, in, in verse 16, that we should not be ashamed of it, but we should be heralds of it to preach it, to tell it. I want you to know preaching is not just what happens on a Sunday. That just, that's not just what happens in front of a large audience, but preaching is the any time the gospel is proclaimed, and you ought to proclaim and preach and teach and tell of this good, great, and glorious news, this gospel in your daily life. And Paul wants Timothy to know that it is not bound. Though the apostle Paul is bound and in chains, the gospel is not. Though you are bound, perhaps in home, and you're not able to meet in person, and the quarantine life is being hard, I want you to know that the gospel is still not bound. God wants to use you in, in, in any way you're willing to give yourself in, uh, to disciple making, to gospel proclaiming, to herald this message. And this message must include that Jesus died in our place for our sins. According to the scripture, it must include that Jesus is no longer dead but alive. He is risen. He is the, the first to raise from the dead. He is a descendant of David. He's what the, the entire Bible was pointing to from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible is about Jesus and it needs to be preached. It needs to be taught. It needs to be proclaimed, not just by paid vocational ministers, but by the everyday disciple of Jesus. And it's not bound. It is powerful. And so in order to make disciples, you must know this message. You must glory in this message. You must proclaim this message. You must believe this message. The gospel is not what just saves you, but it's the gospel that also sustains you. In your everyday life and in your, in your everyday ministry. 
The gospel also has a motive behind it. If we're going to herald this good news, this message of the gospel, we've got to understand the motive. And Paul tells us in verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Why do you do what you do? You have to know your why. You have to know why you're a disciple. You have to know why you're going to be about disciple making. Paul makes it clear here. He endures everything, suffering, hardship. He works like a, he fights like a soldier. He endures like an athlete. He, he works hard like a, a farmer in order to do does it all for the sake of the elect, for God's children, for the church. Why? So that they may obtain salvation. There's people who don't know Jesus that you know, that are in your family, that are in your that sphere of influence that you work with, that if you don't share the good news with them, if you don't herald the gospel to them if you don't introduce them to Jesus they may never know him and God has given you a divine assignment to to make a disciple of them to tell them this good news to teach them about Jesus and the motive here that that you can endure suffering that you can suffer hardship that you can walk through busy tired seasons is for the sake of the elect God's people Paul endures for the sake of the church so that they may obtain salvation, they may, they may be fruitful in their ministry, and that they may grow as disciples, they may share in this eternal glory that's in Christ Jesus. You need to know why. And you have to have a want to. You have to understand this. You have to want to make disciples. You have to want to before you know a how to. You have to know your why before you know the what to do. But do you know why? Are you willing to endure for the sake of your brothers and sisters in the faith, in your church, in your community, in your city? Verse 11, the, the, the gospel has a promise. And so I want you to see there, there's a promise here for disciples and disciple makers. Verse 11, this saying is trustworthy, for we have died with him and we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. I want you to see this, that, that Paul's encouraging Timothy as a disciple, as a disciple-making disciple, he's telling some trustworthy news. In this first part of his, is that we have died with Christ Jesus. If you know, love, and trust Jesus, Jesus stood in your place for your sins. And then when Jesus died, you died. And you died in him. And when he raised from the dead, he's going to give life to your mortal bodies. And he says that if, if, if Jesus is alive and you trust him, you've been made alive and, 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 and you can endure endure and you can reign with Jesus I want us to see that that in order to endure to the end it, it's not your power your strength Paul tells the Philippians in Philippians 1 6 that that it is uh, uh, it is Jesus who has began a good work in you that he will bring it to completion if you it, here we say if, if we endure we will also reign it, you cannot endure on your own Jesus will see to it to cause you to endure to he will carry you home hope and trust and believe that he says and if you if we deny him he will also deny us if we are faithless Jesus he will remain faithful for he cannot deny himself I want you to see if success and discipleship is dependent on you you will fail if it's dependent on me, we will, I will fail. 
Disciples of Jesus are marred by sin. We are, we have been, we're broken by sin. And we are filled with shame and guilt often, frequently, and we fall short. And you got to, I need to encourage you this morning because you, some of you are like, man, I, I can't labor well as a, as a soldier. I'm not fighting well as a soldier. I'm not, in, I'm not being trained and disciplined like an athlete. I'm falling short there. And, and I'm just really lazy. I'm not working hard like a farmer. I want to encourage you unto those ends, but I want to encourage you in the strength of the Lord Jesus. When you fail, allow him to pick you up and keep you going. He will bring it to completion. He will cause you to endure. Know him, trust him, love him, lean into him, run to him. See your failures as an invitation to Jesus to run to him, not run from him. We struggle, we fail, but don't forget the promise here. That if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. When we fail, he will cause endurance because Jesus cannot deny himself. Where we fail, I want you to know, church, that Jesus succeeds. Jesus is a true, faithful soldier. His whole life, he entrusted the one who enlisted him in the Father in heaven. He submitted to him perfectly. Before Jesus even endured, started his ministry, Satan tried to tempt him with civilian affairs. He tried to get, derail him from his ministry trajectory, from his divine assignment. And Satan tempted him in the wilderness. But Jesus did not get caught up into the temptation. He did not deny his calling. He trusted himself to the one who judges faithfully. And he, and he was obedient fully. I want you to know that Jesus was tempted in your place for you. He endured perfectly the, the faithfulness of a soldier for you. You get credit for that through faith in Jesus. We often get caught up and distracted, get worn out, but our warrior King Jesus stands firm in our place. He is the warrior. He is our soldier. He fights for us, not against us. In Genesis 3, we see that this, this war began when Satan tempted Adam and Eve and sought to it just like they sought to, to Je he sought to, to Jesus to derail him from his calling. Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 were derailed from their divine calling. They sinned against God. We all sin against God. But she, and, and even in, in Genesis 3, we see this promise that God tells Adam and Eve that he's going to crush the serpent Satan's head. Satan will bruise him, but Jesus will rise victorious because Jesus is the faithful, the true, the good, and perfect soldier who stands in our place for our sins and fights with us and for us forever. Jesus is also the faithful athlete who shows up all the time, who competes rightly according to the rules. He bound himself to human experience. He obeyed God's law perfectly. He stood in our place as a faithful athlete. Jesus competed completely according to God's rules without sin. Jesus died according to God's plan. He was faithful even unto death, death on a cross. And now he's been crowned the name above every name. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's crowned with a greater crown than any athlete could ever imagine. He is our good God and King. And lastly, Jesus is the faithful farmer. 
where we work tirelessly and fall short, we need to trust that Jesus is, is way better than we are. And he's working tirelessly on our behalf, continually helping cultivate and endure us to the end. Jesus is faithful when we are faithless. Jesus is faithful to cultivate us. He is the farmer that oversees us as his, his children who he wants to produce good fruit. Jesus faithfully attends our needs. Jesus faithfully sacrifices himself completely. Jesus continually does this without complaining. He is consistent in his pursuit of us. He's often pruning us. Jesus is always cultivating us, always building us, always fortifying us, and always growing us. Jesus is the faithful farmer. So if you feel today, church, that as you, you think about disciple making, you think about uh, you as a disciple, and you feel like, man, I fall short, I want to encourage you to do not get your strength from, your, from inside yourself, from your, pulling yourself up from your own bootstraps. You need strength that comes from outside of you, that comes from Jesus, the faithful warrior king and soldier, the faithful athlete, perfectly obedient to the heavenly father, our heavenly father, Jesus, the faithful farmer who, who is gonna see to it till he calls you home to cultivate and grow you and mature you into his likeness. Trust him, follow him, be obedient to him. We are all, if you know Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus. That means discipleship is truly about Jesus. It's not about you. Keep pointing people to Jesus. Keep hoping in Jesus yourself. Keep living your life among people that you know and you love, encouraging one another to remain steadfast, to remain focused, and remain, keep your eyes on Jesus. Be strengthened by the person and power and presence of Jesus. Follow Jesus, your warrior king. I want to end it with this. Follow him. Follow him faithfully. He is faithful. He is victorious. Tell of the world of his faithfulness and his victory. Be in awe of him. He is greater than anyone, any athlete, anyone you can imagine. Celebrate his goodness. Celebrate his glory. Tell the world of how awesome your good God and glorious King is. And lastly, trust Him. Trust Him as He will work tirelessly as a faithful good shepherd on your behalf. So wherever you're at today, I want to just encourage you, Storehouse, to trust Jesus, to run to Jesus, to keep your eyes on Jesus. He is faithful even when you are faithless. Endure well, suffer like a good soldier, be trained like an athlete. Work hard like a farmer. And know that it is your good God and glorious King Jesus that will sustain you into the end. So be about disciple making. Be a disciple who makes disciples. I love you, church. I can't wait to see you face to face when all this quarantine stuff is over. But let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are your kids, that we are disciples and you've called us to be about disciple making and that we understand that making disciples is hard and that we must suffer and endure trials of many kinds in, in the day we live in. But I wanna pray for my brothers and sisters in McAllen at Storehouse Community Church that you would strengthen them as disciple makers, that they would be, uh, they would labor tirelessly like a farmer, that they would, they would train themselves for godliness like an athlete, that they would, 
suffer and endure well at fighting like good soldiers, knowing that you, Jesus, are the perfect soldier. You, Jesus, are the the most trained athlete, knowing that you, Jesus, are the true farmer that cultivates and works and nourishes and, and empowers us to the ministry that you've called us to, discipleship. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.